Hey, good morning, Grace Life. I want to say welcome, and I'm glad that you're here. If this is your first time, we say thank you for joining us. Let's welcome those that are for the first time. Yeah, maybe online. Well, as you see on the screen, I am Greg McVeigh. I am an Army chaplain uh, here at Fort Jackson. Um, not to be confused with, uh, there's a few other Army chaplains that are here. Uh, one of those, some of y'all know, who's now one of the elders here, uh, Brian Harkai. Uh, not to be confused with him. I'm the better looking of, of the two. He was in the first service, so I didn't completely say that all the way out. But since he's not here now, I can say that. So, but don't go run and tell him that I said that, okay? He outranks me. I may get in trouble. Well, listen, it is a, a wonderful to be here, uh, this opportunity. I thank uh, Pastor Jimmy, who is not here, but I want to thank him publicly. I want to thank Pastor Kent and the rest of the staff, and I want to thank you as the church for this opportunity to allow me to stand before you this morning and just share with you what uh, the Lord has laid up on my heart. Um, let me share with you a very interesting story. So my wife and I, we have three children, Ashley, Lexi, and Shane. We got here in the summer of 2019, uh, came here from uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, comical that when we got here and we in process at Fort Jackson, they uh, told us about the rush hour traffic, be careful about malfunction junction and all that good stuff. We looked at them and said, we're coming here from the beltway of D.C. And I don't think it's that bad here, not at all. But we were trying to find a home church uh, to, to, to worship, to be a part of while we were here. And so we drove by here on Clemson Road a couple times and said, hey, let's try out Grace Life. So we, we came here the first Sunday. Uh, Pastor Jimmy was here on the stage. He was interviewing a couple. We, uh, after the service was over with, we left and said, hey, we'd like to hear you know, the preaching. Uh, everything else about the service was awesome, uh, very welcoming, the, the worship music. Uh, everything was just was spot on. We wanted to really make this our home church, but we got to hear the word preached, the truth, and the gospel. Well, the next Sunday we came back, and it was a kickoff of a movie series. <laughs> and there was some pre-recording of Pastor Jimmy on the screen. And so we left that service. Once it was over with, my wife and I left, and we said, you know what, let's go try another church out. So we went to another church in town. The next Sunday, the pastor saw us there, right there walking into the church. He knew we were, we were new. He came to us, introduced himself, and said, you guys picked the perfect Sunday to to join us because we're kicking off a movie series. <laughs> honest story, honest story. My wife and I looked at each other. The problem is we were locked in. We had to go to the service. We did it. We left that service and said, at this point on, we're going to call churches that we're interested in and see what's going on. It must be a, a Columbia, South Carolina thing back in the summer of 19. Well, that's when I ran into Chaplain Brian Harkey at the school, and I said to him, I knew he, he came here, and I said, hey, brother, I was like, does the, does the pastor, do they preach? And he looked at me with this kind of dumbfounded look and said, yeah, why do you ask? And I explained the story to, to him. And he said, well, tell you what, don't come next Sunday. Wait till the following Sunday, then come back. And so we did. We heard Pastor Jimmy. He preached the truth. He preached the word. And so my wife uh, and our three children made this our home. If you recognize me, it's probably because my wife and I are usually working the doors. Uh, this service right here, matter of fact, 1045, we're one of the, the, the welcoming team, so we're working outside doors here just to welcome you in, and uh, so we've gotten plugged in. Our kids are working in G-Kids, two of them. Uh, one of our daughters sometimes works the camera back there, so it's just, it's just awesome to be here, and we're so thankful for the, this church, for the staff, for the pastoral leadership, 
and just for everything that takes place. There's a lot that goes in to make this happen. But praise be the Lord that we have a place, that we live in a country, and that we have a place like Grace Life that we can gather together when we so choose and we can worship and praise our risen Savior. Amen? That is awesome. That is awesome. So I went home to West Virginia this past weekend, and I'm from the southern part of the state where there's a lot of outdoor activity, rock climbing, whitewater rafting. And there's this certain stretch there close to my house, about two miles away, that's right on the gorge, the New River Gorge, if you're familiar with that area. Matter of fact, if you've driven across the New River Gorge Bridge, the big arch bridge, that's the backyard I grew up in, down there on the river. But there's this rock formation, and there's a lot of cars. There's no official parking. These cars will just park along the road, and on uh, this past weekend being a holiday, there were hundreds of cars that were parked because people wanted to climb that rock formation. And I was reminded of a movie, a documentary that came out a couple years ago called Free Solo. Have any of you seen that documentary, Free Solo? I see a couple hands. Phenomenal documentary about this guy by the name of Alex who trains to climb El Capitan Mountain in Yosemite National Park. Free Solo, meaning he did it by himself and he did it without the help of any aid. No harnesses, no ropes, no safety net, Nothing, just his hands, his feet, his muscles, his body, and he climbed up over 3,000 feet that huge rock formation mountain in Yosemite National Park. I've been there. I'm sure some of you have been there. It is unbelievable if you look at that and how he climbed up that. One of the other professional rock climbers said that Alex was kind of like in the Olympics, and he had to get the gold medal because anything else meant death, that if he fell, he was dead. And so it was amazing just to watch him do that. I share that story to say this. I think many times in our lives, we view a relationship with God kind of like that huge mountain, that sometimes there's this massive obstacle, this massive mountain in front of us, and there's no way that I can ascend or achieve that relationship with God. It may be because there's some things in my past. It may be because there's some things going on right now. I'm broken, I'm hurt, I'm fearful, or I just don't understand. I just don't get it. I can't get into that mountaintop, ascend up there to have that relationship with God that I read about in the scriptures or I hear about from, from church or Bible studies or life groups. I just don't get it. Which leads to us kind of stepping back and saying, you know what, that's not for me. I just can't do it. I'll be more than glad to watch somebody else do that. I know some people can can have that that relationship with God that brings that peace that passes all understanding, and that's awesome, but I just can't get to it. But I want us to consider something. We're going to look at a, a, a story in Luke chapter 19. It's a very popular story. If you grew up in church, you're probably quite familiar with this story. It's an encounter between a man by the name of Zacchaeus and the Son of God, Jesus. And I don't want us to focus in on that. But right before we read that, I want to ask you a question. Is it possible for you and me to make it to the heights and to ascend to have a relationship with God? Well, I would say absolutely it is. And some of you that are here this morning, you know exactly because you were there. Now, you don't get to that mountaintop and that's it. It's an ongoing process. But you take the steps. You know what to do. You've experienced that, that high of being in that relationship, that intimate personal relationship with the God of all creation. 
But there's many of you that are here that are still trying to figure that out. And that's what we're going to see here this morning because this can happen. Let me share this with you. One moment. And I want you to keep this in the back of your mind as I share with you the time that we have remaining. One moment with Jesus will change the course of your life. One moment with Jesus, the Son of God, who came to this earth, who was born in the manger, who walked among us, who performed miracles, healings, and his teachings, all those things that he did, ultimately to go to the cross because of his love and his mercy and his grace for you and I, we can have an encounter with him. And if you do so, and those who have done it, you know that it changes the course of your life. One moment with Jesus, the hurts, the pains, the frustrations, the obstacles, the things that are in your past, those things that you're dealing with right now, your marriages, your finances. If you experience and encounter the risen Savior, you will have your life changed and those things that are happening. Look at Luke chapter 19. She'll be on the screen. If you've got the app, you can open it up. I'm still old school. I've got my Bible right here. Luke chapter 19, and I want us just to look at these verses 1 through 10 and look about this encounter between this man, Zacchaeus, and Jesus. The very first word, it says he. That pronoun he is Jesus. If you go back to the previous few verses in the previous chapter, you'll see now Jesus is making his way into Jericho. Now this is toward the end of Jesus' ministry, his time on earth. He is making his way to Jerusalem the triumphal entry, he's coming in for Passover, the celebration where he'll be arrested, he'll be tried, and he'll be crucified. And he's got that on his mind. He's making his way, but he's got to make a stop in Jericho because he has something he wants to do. And so that's why it says that he entered into Jericho and he was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, what do you know about Zacchaeus? If you grew up in church he's what he's a little guy if you grew up in church you probably know a song you probably sang it didn't you Zacchaeus was a wee little man that's funny to hear a church say wee little man you got a little awkward in here just now so it says that he was a it says that there was he's passing through there was a man named Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and he was rich so there's two things that Luke, the writer, this is the Apostle Luke, one of the disciples who was writing this, and he wants us to know up front that there's two things about this man Zacchaeus, that he was the chief tax collector. Now, throughout the scriptures, you will see other, other men labeled as tax collectors. Matter of fact, Matthew, one of the 12 disciples, was one of uh, that followed with Jesus, and a disciple was, was a previous tax collector. And he encountered Jesus, and Jesus called him to follow him. He gave up. His job is being a tax collector to follow Jesus. And there's some other encounters of tax collectors, but this is the only place in Scripture where we see the word chief put in front of this man's name, title, the chief tax collector, which meant the Romans were in control of the area at that time. And so the, the Jews, the Israelites, fell under the Roman authority, and so the Roman government would put these bids out for Jews to basically be hired as contractors to go amongst they're Jewish, uh, the nation, and collect taxes on behalf of the Roman government. So you could imagine how much a tax collector, 
tax collector was hated because of that. And so Zacchaeus was one of these who accepted the bid. He got the bid, and so I'm sure he probably started out as a tax collector, but then he worked his way up to become the chief tax collector, which meant there were other Jewish tax collectors who were going into the, the families of the Jewish nation, and they were taking the taxes from them. And those, that money that was collected was going, some of it going to the Roman government. They would give it to them what they required. Then some of it was going to go in their pocket. And then some of it had to go to the chief tax collector, which so happened to be Zacchaeus. And so Luke wants us to know that this man Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. And also it says he was very rich. He was very wealthy. He had two strikes against him. It was like he was a, he was a Bama fan and a Cowboys fan at the same time. I mean, that's pretty bad in my book. Is Dean Orlando in here? I'm sorry, Orlando. He, I know he's, in a, he's a Bama fan, but I accept him because he's not a Cowboys fan, so we're good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Zacchaeus. And so he's telling us right here that he wants us to understand that, but now look what happens in verse 3. We're getting a little history and background of this man, Zacchaeus, but he says in verse three, and he, this was Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was. He was seeking this man, Jesus. As I said a little bit ago, Jesus is now towards the end of his ministry, end of his time on earth. And so now the reputation had been built up around the region about this, this religious leader named Jesus, about these teachings and, and these miracles that he's performing and his uh, confrontations with the Sanhedrin and, and uh, the other groups that were out there, the religious groups. And so Zacchaeus had heard about this man, Jesus. He heard about who he was. Now he knew he was coming into Jericho, word had been passed, so he was gonna do whatever he could so he could get his eyes on Jesus. And so I want us to look right here to settle in this morning a little bit about this encounter. You know, everybody that's here this morning or watching online, you're somewhere in this journey called life. And it's a spiritual journey. Maybe you're here and you grew up in church. You came to know Jesus, became a follower of Jesus at a young age, and you've been in church your whole life. Some of you maybe came to know him as your Lord and Savior later in life, maybe as a young adult, college student, or in your 20s, 30s. Some of you, maybe it's a new time, a new season, Maybe just recently you've come to know Jesus. Or maybe you're here, you're watching, and you've never made a decision, decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So we're all coming at this different, different seasons and different places in this journey. But here's one thing I believe we would all agree on. You're here or you're watching for a reason. And that reason is I believe you would probably agree that there is something more. There is something more I want to experience. There's something that I want to, I want to seek and I want to know and I want to learn. Regardless of where you are, and if you're here and you're a skeptic, you're a doubter, maybe you're an atheist or agnostic and somehow you were, you were searching online and you came across this service, it's not by accident. But you're here because you're seeking something. Now, Zacchaeus had been seeking the world. As I told you, he was well-known. He had a lot of money. Jericho was a very wealthy community. 
It was almost like a uh, kind of like a resort area. It was coastal palm trees. Yeah, a lot of commerce came through. And so there was a lot of money there. And Zacchaeus was probably up there on the top, one of the wealthiest. And of course, he was well known. He was hated, he was despised, but he was well known. And look at verse four. It says, so he, Zacchaeus, ran on ahead and climbed into the sycamore tree to see Jesus. Why did he do that? Well, we've already established, too, that he was small. My thought is he probably tried to work his way to the front because he's so short, vertically challenged. He was trying to make his way close enough so he could get his eyes on to see Jesus. But because of his stature, but I think also that the people around knew Zacchaeus and they hated him. I figure there's probably a lot of elbows, probably a lot of body checks. Get him out of here. Zach, what are you doing here? Get back. You don't belong up here with us. And I figure he was shut down, he was rejected, and so that's why he immediately went and found a sycamore tree to climb up this tree because he was desperate to just see this man, Jesus. Whatever it caused, whatever it needed, desperate times, desperate measures, and he was willing to do it. And this is where the experience happens with him. Let me share something with you. Here's the first thing I want to share with you about this. God applauds and rewards our efforts to know him. God applauds and rewards our efforts to know him. One of the most famous golf tournaments is just right down the road here, Augusta. It's called the Masters. I'm sure most of you know about it. Even if you don't follow golf, you're probably aware of it. Every April, they have the Masters. And I've watched it a few times, and it's, it always strikes me as interesting that um, on Sunday afternoon when it's coming to the last round, and uh, those two or three, maybe four golfers who have kind of separated themselves from the rest of the group that could potentially win it. And as it gets to those last holes, if you're ever watching or if you've ever been there, you'll see where just large groups of men and women just come together and they'll have like a rope up. They're trying to get as close as they can because they want to see this individual, this Tiger Woods or the local uh, Dustin Johnson or some others because they just want to see them hit that ball. Now, I've never quite understood hitting that white ball and chasing after it. That's not my thing. But you get the point that I'm trying to make. Zacchaeus was going to do what he had to in order to see this man, Jesus. And that point that I share with you, that God applauds and rewards our efforts to know him, is this. Zacchaeus went out of his way. This is a grown man who climbed a tree. I don't think any of us are going to be climbing any time trees unless that's our occupation. Now, as children, we may have done that. I did it all the time. But as adult men and women, we're not going to go and start climbing out in trees and having fun. We just don't do that. But this was Zacchaeus's heart. This was Zacchaeus's focus. He was so determined, he didn't care. He didn't care what other people said. He didn't care how they may saw him, that he ran and climbed that tree to get a glimpse of this man. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that. And that's why we'll read now that Jesus came to have a conversation with this man Zacchaeus God applauds and rewards now what's that mean that means that there's a condition on our part there's a condition on our part that we must follow Matthew 7 verses 7 and 8 says this a very popular verse Matthew writes ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be open 
What is Matthew writing right there? Jesus is speaking in Matthew 7. Many other times, Jesus tells us those kind of ask and seek and knock. There's a condition on our part. There's a requirement that we are part of the equation in order to have a relationship with God. God is there. God is available. God is waiting for those who of us may come to him. But our part, our requirement is we must take that first step towards him. Jeremiah 29 says this on the screen. 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your hearts. The prophet Jeremiah writes, James writes this in 4.8, draw near to God and what? He will draw near to you. Psalms 27.4. I read a psalm every morning in my quiet time. And this is one of my favorite ones. Psalm 27, but verse 4 says this. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after and that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I can read passage after passage and after passage of where we see that we are to seek. We are to go after. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus was, done, was doing. The writer of Hebrews says this in 11.6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, the Father, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And look at this, that he rewards those who what? Seek him. I think you get what I'm trying to tell you. He is applauding those who are seeking after him. He's applauding. I think God is clapping. He's calling you and he's saying, please, Greg, Kent, whatever your name is, come to me. Come to me that are heavy laden, that are burdened. Come to me that you have the struggles of this world, this journey of life as I already mentioned. Come to me when things seem to be crumbling around you. Come to me when you're looking at whatever it is, this obstacle in front of you, that El Capitan Mountain. Come to me, come to me, and I will give you what you need. It may be for salvation that we've already established. It may be before your marriage. It may be before your finances. It may be whatever the case may be. Whatever is taking your eyes off of Jesus, that is the obstacle, and he is saying, come to me. He's applauding you and saying, come, and I will reward you. Seek him. Now he goes on to say that as he was in the tree, Zacchaeus is up in the tree. And verse 5 says, when Jesus came to the place, he came to the tree, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now, if you're the creator of the universe, you created Zacchaeus, you can invite yourself to his house. I mean, that's your prerogative. And so he invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Now, let me share something with you, what we don't see in Scripture. It wasn't that Luke intentionally left it out because he didn't think it was important. The Holy Spirit led him not to put it in there. But I think this is one of these instances where we read between the lines. We read between the lines because now Zacchaeus, it says he comes down, he hurries down, he comes down, and he receives Jesus joyfully. And then we see that the people start grumbling. The people didn't like that. My guess is probably there was a few people that were hoping Jesus would come to their house how in the world does Jesus go to this guy's house, the chief of all sinners? Why is he not coming to my house? Why is he not coming to hang out with me? I think there's a, a good application right there that many times we kind of take our resume and we will present it to God. 
We'll say, well, God, look at all the things that I've done. You see, all the grumbling that was taking place because many of them thought that Jesus should not spend time with Zacchaeus. They probably should come over and see me. Look at what I've done. I have prepared my house. I've got a meal done. I've done all these great works, all these things. You need to come and spend time with me, Jesus. Here it is. Here's my application. Here's my resume. How many times are we guilty of the same? Jesus, look what I've done for you. Look at all these things. I grew up in church. I went to a Christian school. Matter of fact, I used to say that I was drugged when I was a kid. My parents drugged me to church anytime the doors were open. I mean, I was there all the time. I remember going to revivals. Man, these were long weeks and weeks revivals sometimes as a kid. And then going to a Christian school. Even called into the ministry to be a pastor. Matter of fact, before I came into the Army as a chaplain, I was at a church right up here in South Carolina, in, in Cherokee County, up in, the, uh, up in the big town of Gaffney, Gaffney, South Carolina. Cherokee Creek, Baptist Church. But God, look at all those things I'm doing for you. Is that, is that not good enough? Jesus is saying, I, I, that's not what I'm seeking you for. That's not the relationship. The relationship that we have, Greg, is not based upon your resume or your application or all the achievements. It's you that I seek after. It's to have an intimate, personal relationship with you every single day of your life. It's you, Greg, that I want. It's not these things. People were grumbling because that's what they thought. But Jesus knew Zacchaeus' heart. Zacchaeus wasn't coming to bring his wealth, his stature, his position, his title. It says that he welcomed him joyfully. Here's the second thing that I want you to see. Revelation leads to transformation. Remember I said there's something that we don't read here in the text? Because look what happens. Zacchaeus comes down. He goes to the house. Jesus comes. My guess is he probably brought some of the disciples with him. Peter, James, and John were the three most common ones that were with Jesus. My guess is he probably brought Matthew as well because Matthew was a former tax collector who now became a follower of Jesus. What a powerful testimony to another tax collector. So he probably brought Matthew with him and they went into his house. And then it says that Zacchaeus in verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. Now, it's not based upon works. Some people have said, well, now Zacchaeus has, has become a Jesus follower after he gave all that stuff away. No, it's not. He gave everything away for all the wrong, for the money he took and stole after he met the Savior. You see, what happened was as they were inside Zacchaeus' house, probably breaking bread, having a meal. And Jesus proceeded to share with Zacchaeus who he really was. Zacchaeus, you sought after me. Here's who I am. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Zacchaeus, if you want to experience life, if you want to find true purpose, if you want to have a relationship with God the Father, you've got to come through me. And he presented him that living water. Zacchaeus became a follower of Jesus there in his house. Because it says that he stood up 
And he proclaimed that he would give away the money that he took. He met the Savior. Jesus knew his heart. He knew it wasn't about his wealth or his accomplishments. And Zacchaeus became a follower of Jesus at that very moment. The revelation leads to transformation. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says this, And we all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Paul writes in both of those passages and other passages, a transformation was taking place. The transformation took place with Zacchaeus in the house. When he met Jesus and he became a follower, he made him the Lord of his life. And now he is acting upon that by giving monies back. We don't know what happened to the rest of Zacchaeus' life. The scriptures don't tell us. But it's my firm belief that he was a follower of Jesus the rest of his life. Because you can't have an experience like that and not know that Jesus was truly the son of God and live out the rest of your life to honor him. That's my belief. But also I believe that because Zacchaeus was transformed. Revelation, hearing the gospel, hearing the good news, and then there's a transformation that takes place. For those who us, you have a relationship with God, there's still gotta be transformation. There's still gotta be revelation through the word of God, through time and prayer, through coming together and worshiping him, hearing the messages from the pastors. You're hearing that, that is revelation which will lead to transformation which also builds up the relationship you have with God. As you seek him, he will draw closer to you. And Zacchaeus saw that. Here's the next thing I want to share with you. Outsiders become insiders. You know, Zacchaeus was an outsider. We've already told you how much he was hated. He was despised. He was an outsider. But he became an insider, meaning he became part of the family of God. Maybe you're here and you feel like an outsider. As I started at the very beginning sharing that illustration about that large mountain, maybe you feel that there's no way that I could have a, a personal relationship with God. Let me speak to you and say, don't try to clean your act up and then come to Jesus. Right where you are, you come to him. Zacchaeus didn't give away everything and then become a follower of Jesus. Don't think you have to clean up your act. Come as you are. And you'll go from being an outsider, spiritually outsider, to becoming in God's family. You're outside the family. The moment that you give your life to Jesus, you become part of the family as an insider. Here's the fourth and final thing I share with you. Before you were looking for Jesus, Jesus was looking for you. Let me read verses 9 and 10. Jesus said to, to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, meaning a son of faith, meaning now he is in the family. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, Zacchaeus had a plan 
that when he heard about Jesus coming, that he was going to do whatever he could do to get eyes on. To see this man, Jesus, this religious leader. Whatever, whatever it required, he was going to do it. But little did Zacchaeus know that there was already a plan in place. Jesus had already said, we're going to Jericho. There's something I've got to do. There's a man that's there who is the outcast, who's been rejected, who is hated and despised. But Jesus knew Zacchaeus' heart. And he knew that he was seeking. He was seeking Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was seeking him. I thought it would be, it would, it would be awesome to have been there to watch that encounter. Because you could only imagine Zacchaeus up in that tree, seeing Jesus. He got eyes on. It's exciting. It's awesome. I can see him. I can see this religious leader. But all of a sudden, he sees Jesus, probably those disciples around him, walking closer and closer and closer to the sycamore tree. And Zacchaeus is probably thinking, oh my gosh, look how close he's coming to me. He's getting closer to me. He's, he's, he's right here at the tree. And then when Jesus stops and he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to your house. I can only imagine Zacchaeus' response. I can only imagine this man, this religious leader, this name Jesus, who all these miracles and healings is speaking to me. And he also wants to go to my house. I'm sure Zacchaeus was just blown away. I think that's why it says, you know what? He came down joyfully. Because here's the man he's been wanting to meet. Now he gets to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the Savior of the world. Jesus is seeking you. Jesus knows your name. You see the title behind me, Jesus Knows My Name? Jesus knows your name. He does. Jesus knows my name. He knows your name. And if you're seeking him, he is right there with arms wide open, ready to receive you. And maybe you're a follower. You've, you've made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life months, years ago. But maybe the relationship with him has been severed, is struggling. And you've allowed those obstacles become mountains that are standing right in front of you. Jesus is still seeking he wants you to come back. He wants to have a relationship with you. He sees you. He knows you. He is moving towards you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you again to say thank you for this opportunity to, to just praise you but also to hear your word. And this story, which is known as a children's story, but Father, it's a story for us as adults as well. That I know there's somebody here, there's someone that's watching online 
that has never made that decision to make you the Lord of their lives. Today is the day of salvation. Not yesterday because it's gone. It's not tomorrow. We're not promised or guaranteed tomorrow. But it's right now. Jesus is seeking you. He knows you and he wants to have that relationship. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace that you sent your son who went to that cross, his broken body, the shedding of his blood, and his resurrection. We know through that we can have eternal life. I'm going to ask that you remain in a state of prayer. And if you are here or you're watching and you would like to make Jesus the king of your life, the Lord of your life, I'm going to ask that you pray with me. Would you say this prayer? Jesus, I know you are the Son of God. And I believe that you came and you died for my sins. I confess my sins to you. I ask that you will forgive me. And I invite you into my life to be my Lord, to be my King, and to be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. This we ask in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.